episode 85 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the battle. Not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I did. I mean, you know, I missed seeing my broader family, but I did enjoy the nice, quiet Thanksgiving at home. Just me, my wife, my daughter. That's it. Made a turkey breast. Uh, I know I mentioned it last week. Took a little bit longer to cook than I thought. I uh, thought it was going to take about two and a half hours it took about three about three hours and 20 minutes which I mean I've put in 30 pound turkeys that take that long sometimes it's it it was weird I don't know if there's something wrong with my oven I have to check that out Uh, but it came out nice tasted well tasted good still eating it Uh, uh, I've eaten turkey I think every day I have eaten turkey every single day since Thanksgiving and I think today's the last day and I gotta throw it out um I bought way too much. I bought a five-pound turkey breast, and I'm really the only one who eats turkey in this house. My wife eats a little bit of it. I I love it. I mean, I do. (laughs) I don't know what to say. I love it. Um, Made a lot of mashed potatoes, cheated on the diet, but uh, it's all good. We'll get back into the swing of things this week. Um, Election looks like it's certified. They've certified in... All of the swing states at this point, Arizona and Wisconsin certified on Monday, Michigan and Pennsylvania certified before the holiday, Georgia certified before the holiday. President asked for a recount in Georgia. They're recounting in Georgia. They they recounted in Wisconsin. He only wanted two counties recounted. And it looks like Joe Biden picked up votes in that recount. So sorry, Mr. President. Uh, You know, he went on Fox News on Sunday morning, mornings with Maria. Uh, with Maria Bartiromo, who, I mean, used to be a serious financial journalist. I I guess. I guess she feels that she needs to be part of the clown show, too, with Donald Trump at this point. It, it That interview was stunning. I mean, I, I guess I can't put it all on her. He was spouting it off. He's the president of the United States. But the the lies and mistruths and exaggerations and conspiracy theories spun by this man are so it's getting more pathetic every single day and I don't know you know I don't know how Republicans 
are not at this point just disgusted by this whole thing. I know that they're concerned that should Donald Trump not be with them for the uh, Georgia runoff elections for the Senate, they're going to lose power in the Senate. You know, I don't know having him out there doing this right now is helping them in Georgia. In fact, Ronna Romney McDaniels had a press conference. She's the chairwoman of the Republican Party. She had a press conference in Georgia last week. And a constituent said, well, why should we vote if it's rigged? <laughs> and I just love that. Yeah, you know, here's the thing, Republicans out there. I know there's one or two of you that listen to me. It's rigged. Don't bother voting. Fine. Don't even show up in Georgia. Democrats haven't done well in these runoffs. I think this is going to be a super, super tight runoff election because the Democrats have two fantastic candidates and the Republicans have two flawed candidates. Unfortunately, I don't think that the Georgia runoff will be that much about the candidates running. I think it'll be a lot more about, um, I think it's going to be a lot more about the nation and whether or not the people of Georgia want to give Democrats unified control, which sometimes doesn't, you know, it's hard to sell. It's hard to sell that, even though we live in a world right now where the Senate isn't what it used to be. The Senate used to be a place where your party label mattered when you were elected. And yeah, there were some core people who never voted against the party machine. But for the most part, over the last 70 years or so, before you know, maybe not the last 70 years, the last 60 years minus the last 10 years, the McConnell era, uh, you could pick off votes from both parties for different things. You'd have coalitions of Democrats and Republicans, gangs, they would call them sometimes, in the Senate that would make deals and um, would compromise and would put together coalitions to get things done. Mitch McConnell has been very good at whipping the Republican Party into a uni- you know, a united block that will not go against each other for any reason at any time. So for Joe Biden to have any chance of getting his legislative agenda through, he needs to win these two seats in Georgia. Um, you know, he might be able to get most of his cabinet appointed, even with a Republican controlled Senate. I think that there are enough Republican senators that will say, hey, he's the president of the United States. Uh, he should get his cabinet. Um, but to get anything done, accomplished legislatively, winning these seats in Georgia are of vital importance. Uh, I'm talking, uh, you know, it's, it's January 5th. It's, it's just five weeks away. Uh, If we weren't in COVID right now, I'd be in my car on my way to Georgia to help out in that election. I wish I could be there right now, frankly. It's, uh, I mean, it is, it's the place to be. It's exciting. I love a good campaign. And, you know, all the guns are are there for both sides to really work out this election. And it's, you know, I I feel bad for the people in Georgia who are going to be bombarded by, you know, digital ads, television ads, mailings, you know, <laughs> I don't know if they use sound cars down there, you know, the cars with the uh, with the audio playing out of it. Vote for John Ossoff. I don't I don't think they do that down in, in Georgia, but it is one of those, you know, it, it's this is it's like the last battle in the Lord of the Rings. Right. Uh, where all the armies of the world are coming together. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I, I do. In this scenario, picture Mitch McConnell as Sauron, uh, even though we thought Donald Trump was Sauron. I think Mitch McConnell is Sauron and, and he needs to be defeated and that ring needs to be thrown into the in, into Mordor. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting too deep into the geekdom here. 
but I did have a conversation today with a friend of mine about Rudy Giuliani, and I have been comparing Rudy Giuliani to Gollum, and this friend wasn't really familiar with Lord of the Rings, and I had to say, you know, Gollum was a hobbit named Smeagol who became entranced uh, with the ring, and it destroyed him, turned him into a monster. Um, it, it was all consuming, just like Rudy Giuliani is consumed by nothing but, I don't know, fame and power, proximity to power. I don't, I don't know, uh, what consumes Giuliani, but, uh, that consumption has turned him into a monster and, uh, a joke, a shell of his former self, uh, just like Gollum in Lord of the Rings. So here we are. Uh, so no guests today, just me, uh, last week, uh, no radio show. My, uh, it was Thanksgiving took off. Uh, I did do my WABC show, which was wild, still getting wild conspiracy theorists, conservatives calling in. Uh, I, I love that today Rudy Giuliani was at some hearing at like a days in, in some, you know, part of Arizona, you know, contesting the results in front of, you know, two or three Republican lawmakers who are trying to get Trump's attention while the Republican governor and the Republican secretary of state of the state of Arizona were certifying the election results, awarding uh, Arizona's electoral delegates to uh, Joe Biden. Uh, I love that. I love that image. I wish it was a split screen. I wish everybody had that up, but nobody, I don't think cameras went to this day's in to cover Rudy Giuliani's fake hearing, but I was getting calls, uh, you know, on WABC from every conservative. Oh, you know, there's going to be a hearing in Arizona on Monday. It's all over, you know, and, and there was this lawsuit that right before Thanksgiving went Trump's way in Pittsburgh. And then three days later, a Republican appointed appellate court judge, a three judge panel of appellate court judges, uh, in Georgia, excuse me, in Pennsylvania, threw it out with prejudice. Now, Will the Supreme Court pick this up? I don't think so. Um, I hope they don't grant cert. That would be that would be fantastic. And if they do grant cert, I hope they reject it nine nothing uh, on the merits, and that the opinion is written by like Neil Gorsuch or Brett Kavanaugh or Amy Comey Bryant, because uh, it it you know the president is calling all of these judges that have ruled against him, Clinton judges, when the majority, the vast majority of judges are Republican judges. And the federal cases brought in Pennsylvania are Republican judges who were appointed by Donald Trump with the blessing of the Federalist Society. So these are not wishy-washy liberals. These are people saying, hey, you know, we've got this thing called the federal rules of evidence. You haven't presented any evidence in this case. So we're throwing these things out. But it would have been a nice split screen to see, you know, the governor certifying the results while Giuliani's at like a day's in, uh, you know, <laughs> a couple of lawmakers trying to pretend they're having a hearing. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's a press conference and, and they and they don't swear anybody in. Nobody's under oath. They could say whatever they want. It's just uh, it's just so ridiculous. And the fact that these weak, weak Republicans, you know, continue to deny the reality that Joe Biden is going to be the next president of the United States. And I'm sorry, I, I get their politics with Georgia in it. I don't I don't think John, Donald Trump's coming to the rescue in Georgia because I think Donald Trump knows in his heart of hearts that Mitch McConnell may have co- cost him the election in Georgia, may have cost him the election in Arizona, may have even cost him the election in Wisconsin. These are states that were decided by small margins. And 
frankly, had Mitch McConnell passed a stimulus package, perhaps the election would have gone the other way, and it didn't. So why would Donald Trump want to spend any time? And I know that he's announced he's going down there this weekend. Great. Uh, You know, I want to see where he is at the end of December. Is he hanging out at Mar-a-Lago or is he, uh, you know, spending his time in Savannah campaigning for these two knuckleheads that want to stay in the United States Senate, two people who have abused their power in the short time that they've had it and and have no right to be representing anyone, let alone a state like Georgia, which is clearly on the rise. It's changing before our eyes. And I think it's swung. I think that four years from now, Georgia's going to go blue and it's not going to be close. Now, whether or not Democrats can pull off uh, you know, what I think would be a big upset winning these two seats uh, in this Senate runoff. The Democrats have not won, have not done well in runoff elections in the South in recent years. Um, but look, Stacey Abrams, no joke. The organization's no joke. It's, uh, it's, it's possible, it's doable, and we'll see what happens. All right, so I'm going to take a quick break. And then I'm going to come back. I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, Biden's cabinet picks, including Neera Tandon, who you all remember from this radio, from this, not radio show, but from this, um, uh, from this podcast. She's been a guest here. She's been a guest on my radio show. I'm really happy to see her out there. And, and supposedly today they're saying there's some controversy about her pick. I don't, I don't get that. So stick around. Uh, I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. Hey, I hope you're following me on Twitter. I'm at Christopher Hahn on your Twitter devices. So uh, check me out there. Christopher Hahn NY on Instagram and I'm ChristopherHahn.com. Please share this podcast. I had I had an exceptionally good week last week, uh, especially given that it was Thanksgiving week. Uh, a lot of late week uh, downloads. It was pretty good. I wasn't on TV that much. Um, I didn't do my syndicated radio show. So for that, to, to happen and for me to get uh, the the numbers I got last week, that's all about you. That's all about you sharing it with your friends. So I really do appreciate it. And you know what? I appreciate that one of our friends, Neera Tandon, is joining another one of our friends, Ron Klain, two people who have appeared on this podcast, who I know, um, in the cabinet. And, uh, you know, I, I found it funny on Monday and really over the weekend when it was first kind of leaked that she was going to be... Uh, named to be the director of of the Office of Management and Budget, which is, you know, really a non-controversial job. It's like a numbers job, right? I mean, obviously, budget is policy, right? Budget, you know, your budget shows what your priorities are. Um, And Neera had been president uh, for the Center for American Progress. She really is a a mainstream Democrat. But, you know, over the weekend, I I think it's because TV news wants to get you to watch right it's why they have people like me on and and, you know people who you know try to create controversy on um they're saying well she could have some trouble because for the last four years she's been a pundit and she's been very hard on donald trump and republican senators who have supported donald trump and yeah i mean i guess i can never be in the cabinet right uh but I don't know. I mean, she's a pretty competent human being who's been in and out of government, you know, for the last 20 years. She worked for Clinton, Obama. She's she's brilliant. 
um, Center for American Progress is really as mainstream as you can get as far as Democratic think tanks. So having her in the cabinet would be, you know, logical to me. I actually thought she might become chief of staff um, at one point uh, in this. And she might still at some point become chief of staff uh, to President Biden. Um, but uh, at this point, she's going to go run OMB. And I don't think it's going to be something that they're going to take down. Now, you do know that the Republicans will want to have a scalp or two during the confirmation process. It's the way it's gone the last four years, right? The last 10 years, unless look, last 20 years. Um, the party out of power wants to try to knock somebody out uh, in the nomination process. Whether or not Mitch McConnell can get all of his senators to go along, he's going to need to hold on to four votes, really three votes, um, you know, is 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 the question. Really, two votes, because if it becomes a tie, um, you know, the tie will be broken uh, by the vice president, Kamala Harris. Um, I, I just, I don't think it's going to come to that. I also think that, you know, Democrats in the Senate need to start looking towards you know, the moderate senators, and there are a couple of them. Um, I would put Mitt Romney in that group. Um, I would put Toomey in Pennsylvania, who has not necessarily been a moderate, but he is retiring in two years, not running for re-election. Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski have shown willingness to, you know, not necessarily toe the Republican Party line all the time. And I think that uh, they need to find a couple of votes just in case they don't win these two Senate seats in Georgia. And they seem like logical votes. And there's probably one or two others out there that I'm not thinking of right now. Uh, Now, whether or not Susan Collins, after a brutal, bruising reelection campaign, which she, by the way, easily won, uh, wants to go along for that ride, I don't know. But I doubt that she's running for reelection six years from now. Uh, Murkowski is running for re-election, but she's Alaskan, and you know Alaska's a state that uh, that's not. It, it, while it is Republican and somewhat conservative, it's not as rigid uh, as some of the other states that we've seen around this country and the way people vote. And she has survived the primary. Not only did she survive a primary, she lost a primary and then won as a write-in. So it's uh, she. If, if there's anybody who doesn't care about losing a Republican primary, it should be Lisa Murkowski. And she's shown a lot of bravery during the Trump era. And I know, you know, it's all relative, right? Because, you know, the party was marching, you know, goose-stepping right along with Donald Trump the entire time. And she once in a while voted against him. But that's enough for me, right? You know, Mitt Romney, when he was governor of Massachusetts, you know, governed, you know, basically as a moderate, maybe even a liberal in a lot of cases. Remember, Romney Care was the first universal health care in this country, uh, Obamacare is based off of Romney care. So, uh, you know, I think that that's somebody that Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer should be courting and making sure that they have that vote when they need it. And they're going to need it, uh, during this, uh, the next two years. And you never know. I mean, you know, a lot of these senators are old. They might decide to retire. COVID's horrible. I'm not wishing death on anybody. You know, you got to make sure you have, uh, you have the ability uh, to get the votes you need to get things done, because Mitch McConnell, uh, Mitch McConnell is a, is a master at blocking everything and keeping his people in line. But I think you know it's been now so long. I mean, he you know we're talking six years, really eight years, 
of Mitch McConnell just abusing the Senate, destroying the Senate. And maybe there will be some people in the Senate that want to go back to the Senate being the great deliberative body. Because quite frankly, I don't know why we have a Senate if senators are just going to act like congressmen, House members with, you know, six-year terms. Because that's what we've had in the last, you know, you know, really since I, I would say the beginning of the Obama era. We've had a Senate that's functioned much in the same way as the House of Representatives. And, and that's not what the framers intended, right? The founders of this country, the framers of our Constitution, they wanted a Senate that was going to be thoughtful. They were supposed to be the cooling saucer of the republic, not subject uh, to the politics of the moment, right? They were supposed to be above it. They were supposed to be thinking long term, thinking about the best interest of the republic. They, they, they viewed this as an august body of people who would think things through and make uh, important decisions based on facts and evidence and not the passions of the day. And that's not what we have right now. We don't have it. And if we're not going to have that, why do we have a Senate at all? You know, the Senate is fundamentally undemocratic. Uh, you know, uh, we've talked about the two Dakotas, four senators from the two Dakotas that have less than a million people between all, you know, between both of those states. And the state of California has two senators for 40 million people. State of New York, two senators for 20 million people. It's ridiculous at this point in time. I get it. You know, in, in the 18th century, you're trying to keep a disparate group of people together uh, because they were much stronger together than they would be as 13 separate, uh, you know, nations. Um, so you, you put this system in place to satisfy the big states versus the small states. But here we are. We're still in that situation. We've got to reform the Senate. Uh, there's got to be something. Something's got to give. You can't have a United States Senate where people are just voting on party lines because they're worried about their next reelection campaign. I mean, six-year terms, you should never be worried about your next reelection. It drove me nuts. I, I, you may have been listening to this podcast after the midterm elections where I said any senator, 33 of those senators who were elected in um, in the uh, 2018 midterms will never be on a ballot with Donald Trump again. Now, of course, Donald Trump might run for, re- for election in 2024. That's what he's going to tell everybody so he could raise some money. But barring that, you know, these people don't have to fear him anymore. But I guess, you know, Mitch McConnell didn't fear him because Donald Trump wanted a huge, huge stimulus package, which never came because Mitch McConnell didn't want to want to give it. And let me be crystal clear, America. The Republicans are already signaling that they are going to become deficit hawks again. Nobody did more to balloon the deficit than Donald Trump and the Republicans who controlled both houses for two of his four years and the Senate for all of his four years. They ballooned the deficit, more than any other one-term president in the history of presidents. Now, I am not a deficit hawk. I believe that we're going to need to run huge deficits to get us out of the financial crisis that we are in, that to bail out restaurants and cities and counties and states and, and small businesses that are all going under due to the failing of this economy. Yeah, the stock market's doing great. Tell that to the guy who just opened a toy store on Main Street in your in your town, how's he doing? Not too well. Tell that to the to the woman who opened who you know worked her whole life to open up a restaurant that nobody goes to right now. You want to talk about lockdown politics? You could open up the entire world right now. People aren't going out. 
People are afraid until they get a vaccine and we have a vaccine Until people get vaccinated and feel comfortable. These businesses are not going to be operating at anywhere near the capacity they need to be operating at to stay afloat. So we as a country need to figure something out or we're going to have widespread poverty and these businesses will fail permanently. And we'll have a changed shape of the way this nation looks for years to come. It'll take much longer than it needs to for, you know, full recovery uh, of our economy. But that's, you know, Mitch McConnell will burn down the nation to stay in power. That's what he'll do. He will burn down the nation to stay in power. And we cannot let him do that. We have to do everything we can. That's why Georgia is so important. That's why you need a coalition of the willing in the Senate, people who want to actually get things done and fix what's wrong in this country and not just toe the party line and vote in lockstep with some troll. You talk about, you know, I go back to my Lord of the Rings reference. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. He is a ridiculous human being who does not care about this country. He's got a philosophy and he wants to jam that philosophy down people's throat. No matter how many businesses are destroyed, no matter, no matter how many lives are destroyed, no, many people, no, no matter how many people die in this country. And I'm not just talking about dying from COVID. How about people who are, who are just dying from being malnourished, people who are depressed? Suicides are increasing in this country. We need to be there for the people in this nation. And a full stimulus that would protect jobs in this country from being lost, protect businesses from being closed, would go a long, long way. So we have to hold their feet to the fire. That was a bit of a rant, huh? Well, look, I mean, it it is going to be an interesting couple of weeks. And I know, you know, most of us want to take a break from politics right after the election. I know I do. I wish I was here just talking about Turkey today. I wish I was here talking about how the Denver Broncos uh, played a game without a quarterback yesterday. Or my New York Giants are in first place with only four wins. I mean, go go figure that. I mean, the New York Giants are going to probably go to the play. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Looks like they're going to go to the playoffs. And they're going to have a record under 500. And that's, that's pretty freaking amazing. Um... It'd be even more amazing if they win a game in the playoffs. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Crazier things have happened. Hopefully there are playoffs. I mean, the NFL's dealing with these COVID outbreaks like everybody else. And, uh, you know, we're a nation that's now, for the last two weeks, had over 100,000 cases a day. We're having 2,000 deaths a day now. I mean, I said this last week. If Al-Qaeda was chopping off 2,000 heads a day, uh, we'd be pretty upset about it, right? We'd be worried about it. We'd be holding our leaders accountable for what's going on with it. Yet, you know, 73 million Americans thought it was perfectly okay to vote for Donald Trump, even though Al-Qaeda, a.k.a. COVID-19, is chopping off 2,000 heads a day right now. Amazing to me. Now, granted, 81 million Americans thought it wasn't okay. So see ya. You lost. You're a loser. You're basic. It's over. <laughs> I think this is the first time I've ever said you're basic on the air. Well, America, I really do appreciate all the support. I appreciate you thinking, uh, you know, listening to this podcast and telling your friends about it and listening to me on 77 WABC and on my syndicated show, The Chris Hahn Show, which airs all over the country on Thursday nights. Um, really do look forward to doing this podcast every week. And I hope you look forward to listening to it. 
Uh, reach out to me if you can, ChristopherHahn.com. There's an email address on there. Check it out. I respond to them. And I want to remind you, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.